Hey, this is Alex Kola, and you are listening to another episode of the Go to Market Mastery Podcast. Today, we are talking about customer led growth with the head of growth from Via Developers, Christoph Schachner. Let's go enjoy the episode. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. The reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. Hello, Christoph. Hey, Alex. How's it going? <laughs> it's going fine. It's going fine. Had a busy day, but looking forward to our podcast today. Um, and yeah, we talk about a very, very interesting topic today with customer-led growth, which I think is a bit of a buzzword, but, um, I always like it when I have guests in the podcasts that I know before, because then I think like the harmony is better. Um, so yeah, um, I know you or we know each other, but the people or the people that listen to this podcast don't know you yet. So that would be, um, great if you start by introducing yourself and sharing a bit about what you do um, and what your current position includes as a head of growth at VR Developers. For sure. Would love to. So yeah, thanks for having me on this podcast. It's always great talking to you. It's been some time since we talked, but it's a great occasion to be in touch again on for the podcast. So I'm Chris. I'm currently the head of growth at VR Developers. So if you don't know VR Developers yet, it's a job board for developers. It's mainly for the DAC region. We're now also expanding more for uh, international markets to also position ourselves overall across Europe. In my role as head of growth, also a very buzzworthy role, right? So a lot of people probably also heard this role before. What does it do? What does it entail? It basically comes down to finding out what are the areas where we need to scale, where are the areas that have the biggest gap in terms of goals achievement, and then I try to find ways to boost this. So I'm jumping quite a lot from different projects. For let's say one quarter, two quarters, or half a year, I stick with a certain project, I work on it, and then I move on, I hand it over to someone, and they try to then continue the same level or make it better, and then move to a different project. So that's in a nutshell what I do and with developers. Cool. And what would you say A is your speciality as a growth expert, and B, what is your current challenge as at Veer Developers? For sure. So what I would say is one of my specialities that I always try to think from the customer point of view. So whatever situation it is, I try to take the customer role and see it from their lens to identify a problem or to find a solution. I think this also fits quite perfectly the topic that we're discussing today. It's really taking this step back and saying, what would our customers think about this? How would they approach it? Would it be easy for them? And then coming up with an idea backed by data as a second source for this as well to yeah, come up with a solution. Yeah. And the second question was, what is your current challenge? You mentioned expansion. Is it mm -hmm. is it this? Yes. So current challenge, I would say it depends on the business area, I would say. So we've been quite successful with the welcome risk last year. We scaled it to even more attendees. So we reached um, 12,000 developers that have been on site, 12,000 people in total. So that was quite an achievement. Now we want to obviously get more next year. On the other side, another Focus area for me currently is the job board. So how do we get more people to post jobs online? Because there are quite a lot of job boards. There are quite a lot of ways you can post jobs online, but not all of them have the same quality and the niche focus like the developers has. 
So this is the second challenge that I'm trying to face now, trying to solve. How do we get more people to book job ads directly? Especially in the DAH market, it seems like most of it is still done through calls, through direct outreach with sales. And we try to shift this model to get people to buy job ads like if you were buying, let's say, the new iPhone. So that's a bit of the challenge that we try to optimize this whole process to get it into how people buy today. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I know from my own experience that it can be challenging to sell recruiting. Um, so yeah, let's maybe start by diving in into the topic. So buzzword, um, we said it already, customer-led growth. So could you maybe start by, after introducing yourself, to give us a short introduction what customer-led growth includes? It's a super simple concept, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people will instantly understand it. It basically places customer insights at the forefront of everything you do in marketing. So every marketing decision should be backed by customer insights. Some of you might be thinking now, well, I'm already doing this. Everything I'm, I'm thinking of is based on customer insights. Most of the time, what this means for companies is just they go into Google Analytics or any in their CM system. They look at maybe a list and say, well, we have 500 people from this industry. We should maybe expand it because this is our best performing segment. Or they look at analytics and see some, some insights where people come from which sources and then they use this. But this is only scrapping the surface. This is like very, very basic custom information, I would say. It's putting like every decision, how you design your product onboarding flow, which channels you pick how you position yourself. All of those very fundamental ideas, fundamental concepts need to be informed by this. And yeah, this is customer insights, uh, customer-led growth in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and you mentioned it a bit. So it's a lot about like getting customers' needs and preferences and mm -hmm. like getting this data. And it's not only probably analytics and CRM, but it's also like a more holistic and probably more detailed way uh, at the same time. So what would you say, how can businesses eff effectively identify and understand customer needs and preferences? How would you build that feedback loop? Sure. So I think there are like four steps if you want to get started with this one. So the first one would be to summarize how you as a company see yourself. So what do you stand for? What is the value proposition? who is your target audience and who cares about you and why do they care about you? So you make a self-reflection who you are. So that's the first step. The second one would then be to identify like 10 to 15 contacts. Pretty sure every one of you has those. It can be customers. It can also be churners. So people that are no longer using the software or product, whatever you have. And then the third one could also be prospects. So ideally it's a mix of those contacts. And then in those conversations, You try to ask with the right questions. So you ideally have a questionnaire prepared with questions related to the first summary that you created for all those things like value proposition. Why do they care about you? Why are they using you? What makes their life better, etc. You then have those conversations and then you need to identify patterns. So this place is where I think most of the uh, most still wrong. And this is where a lot of things can go wrong when you identify those patterns a lot of bias will also come into it because maybe you've been working at your company for years. Maybe you have another person that also comes in here and you have a lot of people uh, trying to get their thoughts, their minds into this and skewing the data maybe a bit. So here you need to ideally return, uh, reduce your bias or maybe you find another person that is super new 
That's what I sometimes like doing and ha have them identify patterns. So you're not that biased anymore. And then identify what is worth pursuing of those insights. So maybe let me give you an example. I recently had a call with a founder of an accelerator program and he struggled with, you guessed it, getting more applicants <laughs> to accelerator, right? So it's, it's a common issue for, um, for accelerators. How can we get more? And what he first was doing was mainly paid acquisition. So he said, okay, I have an amazing product. I just need more people to hear about it. So that was his, his take on it. And he did a lot of paid acquisition. He also did some PR, um, mainly based in the US market. And through that, he didn't get those results that he wanted. So after talking with him, it was a, a casual conversation. I pitched this kind of philosophy to go customer-led and think of customers first. And once he did those interviews, he uh, discovered that it was mainly people that already knew him before that joined his accelerator and then talked about it with their network. So it was a lot of driven by his own profile and um, basically founder-led. So he was the spokesperson. He was very active on LinkedIn, on podcasts. He was a um, frequent guest at uh, also YouTube series. And that's how he got most of them. So after realizing this and the CRM data didn't show this at all, he, he always looked in the CRM and said, uh, offline sources, manual imports, um, the, the data wasn't that good. And after he realized this, he doubled down on this, produced some of the most amazing content I've ever seen for investing and for um, getting investments in startup. And after that, so it's, it's still ongoing. I have to see how he has success with it. But so far, the results I heard from him are amazing. And he has um, a lot more attention and a lot more qualified attention that he wants to also convert to accelerator participants. Yeah. And you help him with the content? Uh, no, it was actually just a call with like a, a normal conversation where he said, yeah, how's it going? Let's, let's, have, a, let's have a quick call. Let's have a quick catch up. And then I heard of his pain point and I just uh, talked with him about this idea. And yeah. And then yeah. it out of this um, like exchange of thoughts, like this resulted. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So this definitely can be helpful. And uh, yeah, if all of you or somebody of you have like issues similar to that, reach out to Christoph. Um, I think he's happy to talk anytime. Um And then I think it's also important after you get at this data to really like create something where you use those customer insights to oh. inform product development and then drive in, in innovation. So how would you do that? And basically, how would you build a sustainable process where this market data and this customer insights that you get gets really where it belongs to product and where it then gets implemented? So a super important question where most of it fails is this last step. How do you translate this data into the current departments? So what is good is you shouldn't have too many people at the beginning part of it because otherwise you have so many um, have, have biased opinions of others. So you ideally pass along information raw to each department where it might be fitting. So one way that this can be done in a quite, uh, it's a good way is a presentation. So preparing all those insights that you generated in an unfiltered view without any, this is what, how we're going to use them, but just putting those onto a slide, a couple of screens, this is what we learned. And then you will already see people thinking, how can we use this? Uh, UX might be impacted by it. Might also be customer success who realizes that we need to talk a lot more about referrals. And if a customer is happy, maybe send them a quick email saying, if you're happy with our service, uh, please feel free to recommend us those kind of activities will stem out of it naturally once you present those insights. So you don't even need to pitch how each of those departments can use it. It will naturally come ideally with the department heads that you get along, have this presentation, and then a lot of 
good, good stuff will come out of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is this the direction where we're also asking, or if you, any follow-up on that? Yeah, I, I would say yes, um, and I think this alignment is also pr probably often there's a lot of bias and a lot of stubbornness involved probably. And a lot of like, Oh, I don't believe your data, the data Dobby, um, obviously. So, um, I think there we are with alignment, like alignment between sales, marketing, uh, also product and marketing and all this stuff. So what have you experienced in that? Because you, you work at a company yourself, um, and you have, as far as I know, also sales department, uh, and also product department and stuff. So how do you probably do that at VR developers? What exactly do you mean? Um, how to, 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 get this align, to get this okay. no, 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 to get this product um, product alignment also, and to like build this feedback loop there, yeah. Uh, to get the feedback also to the sales yeah. team, and so yeah, they, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's it's important to first have have the sales team on board, and that they also know what are those insights and how they can use it, so that they all also feel being part of it instead of forcing them to take those informations and digest it. So that's really important to not give them, um, you know, to, to make them have to use it. Secondly, what I would try to go for is listening to the sales team and really see what do they believe is the ideal customer and what are their pain points, etc. And then help them find out why it's good to also use the new customer insights that are generated in their sales approach. Most of the time, marketing and sales efforts end up being unfruitful if sales doesn't understand the value behind it. I think it can also go the other way if sales pressing for marketing, but either way it's going if you, you need to speak the language of the other department. So for sales, usually revenue numbers, hitting their quotas, getting commissions, depending on who you talk to. Um, and those numbers, how you can impact those numbers with insights. And you can, you can definitely can do that if you have uh, a small experiment based on some of those insights that you generated and then try it out. For example, with those referrals, you incentivize it more to get referrals and you see how this impacted it. If you have this kind of case study internally, no seller will probably be able to say no anymore because you will have an open door because you speak the language. You have the same KPIs that they have. And that's the best way I would say you can get this information to, to a sales team. Um, similar to product. So if you have a product, uh, certain workflows, let's say maybe you have a product led motion. So people directly try out your product and then convert so um, try after buy if it's like this you can also show what it's important to a customer or a prospect within this first process within this trial period and you get this information to the product team then so they know ah, okay maybe i should be moving the price very early because people do the whole flow and at the end of it they realize it's too expensive for them in the chart and they have a very bad experience and talk negatively about your product maybe you move this far before and this is only something that Usually no data can tell you. It's more of conversations that you're having and aligned with data as the second part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, so another thing that, of course, customer-led growth includes is personalized marketing and customer engagement. So what are some examples of successfully successful customers' engagement strategies that drive growth? Uh, it's, a, it's a very good question. So... Successful customer engagement strategies. Um, it's a mouthful for me, so let me maybe break it down. What 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 I think that is for me. It seems it's it's a lot about how can you directly reach out to individuals without having to do activities that are only um, on a very small scale. So it should still be scalable, but it seems as if you are targeting a specific person. 
so that you are really addressing them. And this comes down to a very good segmentation. So if you know, okay, this is my target audience of maybe startup founders that have a Series A and they're in a certain market and are in a certain industry, you identify them as good as you can. And based on this, you might have had interviews that inform their information needs, where they usually spend their time, what they care about. And you then use those insights to engage with them through specific channels. So maybe it means that you're present at events, that they are also there. Or you host events yourself. Maybe you need to be on LinkedIn in certain groups where people actually engage, even though LinkedIn groups are almost dead. But some, some groups actually exist where people are still engage with another. So this informs them how do you engage with them um, and what messages you also are spreading. That's it. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. Um, so what would you say are some other benefits maybe of personalized marketing and how can companies effectively like implement it? So let me take a step back on that one on personalized marketing. When you think of yourself, how do you buy products today? And mm -hmm. so maybe let's take a, an example of, uh, I recently had this, I was researching a uh, data provider to enrich CRM data. How would you approach this search? Mm -hmm. How would you, what would you do? Search for, so what again, a data provider that... Yeah. Data um, provider that enriches contacts or company data in HubSpot, for example, in Salesforce. Data provider that enriches company provider. Yeah, probably my first step is always LinkedIn, LinkedIn sales nav. Okay. So, so um, but for like the solution, so I mean, for you're looking for like a CRM, for, for example. So if you're looking for a CRM system, how would you approach mm -hmm. the search for for this product? So for a CRM, it's difficult. I've, I, so there I would say I would really like go for referrals. So okay. I would really ask other experts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. First up, and but you will probably do a lot, a lot research parallel, right? So you will do some search. Maybe you type in best CRM provider. You also will ask to your network, to people mm -hmm. you know, what's the best CRM that you are using for this and that case. Okay. And maybe course, you're yeah. looking at some videos. Then maybe on LinkedIn you're scrolling through the feed, and then you see one post talking about here mm -hmm. are five steps when choosing a CRM uh, or the, the five mistakes um, that you should avoid when choosing a CRM provider. So you do a lot okay. of research in parallel, right? Yeah. Um, and so this is how the search has changed or the, the fund has changed nowadays. So it's no longer that company push message and then the person receives the message and then does something. The message is happening everywhere. It's happening on 20, 25 different channels, right? So this is the, the struggle that companies are facing nowadays, but they still try to push people into a fund. So they still try to say, okay, I'm going to build the LinkedIn fund. Let's go. Yeah. And then I'm going to do LinkedIn ads, step one, step two, try it with different stages and then really push them only through this one. But they are like this and they don't look at what is happening outside. So to answer your question with personalized marketing, this for me already starts in terms of personalized marketing to know what are all the places where people talk about you uh, or inform themselves about topics like yours or products like yours. And then drilling down on how do they consume content on this platform yeah. and then personalizing this experience. So on LinkedIn, for example, most people consume content probably by watching videos, scrolling through the feed like this video probably. They yeah. will read some posts and they will engage in spam messages they're probably getting from some people uh, for, that want to sell them something. But you need to realize this reality of how the channel works. Mm. And you need to adopt this reality of the channel and then 
ideal even personalized based on this segment that I mentioned before with a specific messaging that came from your customer insights. And what are companies doing in your opinion that rock that, that are really successful in that? You mean some examples of companies? Yeah, and uh, how does this look like? So how does a successful personalized marketing campaign and how, they, how do successful companies approach this? So I think one company that's doing a very good job is Cognizant. I don't know if you've checked them out. They are actually also a data provider, one Heard of the it. tools. What are they doing right? So what they do right is they they identify the pain points. In my external point of view, uh, they identify the pain points of their target markets very well. And they know exactly what uh, their buyer persona might be looking for. So I can only speak for myself, for example, but... In my role, where I would need some data enrichment, for example, they know why do I need it. So I needed to better understand the leads that I'm generating, the contacts, the companies, and mm. then also give them more value so that sales teams also cares about those contacts in the CRM. Yeah. Oftentimes, you generate leads, maybe you generate even demos, but then the sales person might prioritize a contact they call it themselves over a contact that might have been inbound because mm -hmm. maybe they have a better... Before, yeah. Commission or something. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. example, yeah. And you get some insights additional that might make it easier for the seller. So I'm just mentioning this as an example because they are doing quite a good job of breaking mm -hmm. it down. Who, uh, why do they care about or what does the tight audience care about? Yeah, so it's rather like the message that they're sending and like this really niche problem that why yeah. People decide for them, probably. Yeah. And, and one very underrated tactic that still, uh, I don't know if companies are scared of it or if they don't want to research it, but it's using your customer voice. Like yeah. That's the, the, the easiest tactic you can probably do. You can. So you sit a customer down and let them talk. Yeah, exactly. Let them talk. In HubSpot, I know it's possible. There is also Gong, which is uh, an external software also, but you can record calls and jump on the call. So I recently had a client who didn't know about this one. Um, And in, in HubSpot, you can listen to those calls and you can, even as a marketer, you can just join in and then listen to what they're saying. And you use this. Mm -hmm. Most companies, what they do is they talk with a seller and say, hey, can you please tell me how this company saw it or how, how do customers usually describe our product? But then it's still filtered, right? You still have the seller in between. And ideally, you don't want anyone between. You want the customer and you. And that's the direct line. And you can get this with these recordings on HubSpot or For example, Gong also does it. There might be other providers as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Very interesting as well. Um, so the next topic that I would like to touch on is like customer retention and loyalty. So how mm. would you say can businesses foster customer loyalty and reduce churn? So the first step is to realize that existing customers are also important. <laughs> Um, I know it sounds weird, but most <laughs> of the companies only care about growth, right? So you want to see this hockey stick, you want to see new customers every month. But what happens if your base breaks away, especially in SaaS, right? You have this MRR metric that um, would probably be one of the KPIs on your dashboard that you're looking actively on. And you don't want this to break away. So you need to first realize this, this. Those are sometimes maybe even more important if you want to do an expansion strategy and you will don't really get new customers, but you want to expand on existing ones and maybe increase their ticket size, maybe get more users of their company on board. So I think mm -hmm. that's the first step. Then for loyalty, you, again, with those interviews, you can get probably a ton of insights on why do they even stick with you? So why are they still uh, a customer of yours? Some of them might be, or some of your tactics might be that you lock them in, like vendor login. It's not 
Uh, nice tactic, I guess, but it's a tactic that works. Apple has do, been doing it for a long time right, with their chargers. Now that's also no longer possible. So you have no USB-C as well. <laughs> so yeah. no more vendor locking. Can be one way. A more customer-friendly way is probably that you identify what is missing from the product that they would prefer to have. You don't want to let every customer wish to be um, part of your product, but you want to have a centralized base where you say this is all the customer feedback. We try to collect it and then prioritize it, what is actually important. So sometimes it doesn't even have to be that you implement this feature. Listening is also sometimes enough. I know it sounds odd, but just having an, an open ear for them and listening to the pain points, what they might be struggling with and with customer success, that is a yeah. very underrated place for, for companies where oftentimes it's just um, seen as ticket handling. And right? so you get some support tickets and you help them solve a product issue. Yeah. But Customer success, very underrated. You can get so much scalability and this retention, as you said, on yeah, on, on keeping those customers. Another way what I've seen, some companies do, not many of them, but some do it, they send personalized gifts to companies. Yeah. So I saw this as a, they, I don't know the provider who does it, but you can send um, a, a mail with maybe some customized merch. So super simple, maybe put your brand logo on it and say, here's a little gift or... You send them a bottle of, of wine or whatever. Yeah, um, it's in service yeah. businesses. It's really common. Like you send cookies True. on Christmas or something like this. Yeah. True. They're, they're, well, I don't remember the company. They they had a, a logo of a llama. I'm sorry if I, if I don't remember the company, but they were sending them a golden llama award. So they were basically saying those are our top companies that have been using our product very actively. Yeah. And we now want to appreciate them and send them this award. And they now have it standing on the desk. And they also took a picture for LinkedIn. In this um, mail they were writing about, if yeah. you like this, maybe share it on LinkedIn. Right? So it can also be a referral strategy then. Yeah, no, you know what I think is brilliant? You as a marketer probably know is all these funnel awards. I think it's brilliant, right? That people like, I'm a great marketer. I got this click funnels award and then they're hanging it in their back yeah. of their calls. And every call, it's a marketing because it is basically hanging on their wall. Yeah. Same like LinkedIn, for example. Maybe some of you have those LinkedIn certificates. I have some. I remember when I did them maybe like eight or nine years ago for HubSpot or Google. It's also advertising for them because you say, oh, I have the certificate. So yeah, those certificates or awards are a great way to appreciate them and at the same time grow referrals. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think also to touch and support i think um you know uh, ralph domamut from eins and eins and um mm. uh, of course mark benioff um yeah. from salesforce they said like it's the, their most important um thing is getting customer support right and mm. i think there is still a lot of companies have have a lot of problems um with that still and uh, really underestimated yeah. um i think, I yeah. think that the how companies might be able to fix it is to look at what kpis are they measuring their customer support on yeah, because customer support can actually and not actually it has uh, it can be traced. It has an impact on your bottom line metrics. It has impact on your MRR, on churn rates, on growth rates, on um, yeah, on expansion of existing customers. So if you measure your CS team on that one, you will also then invest more in it instead of saying, okay, we have this many tickets per month, we probably need one more person to handle those product tickets. Yeah. So. Now, because if I have also one topic, and I am very excited about your opinion about this, um, because I have a strong one as well. It's incentivizing customer support people and giving them a bonus. What do you think? 
Mm, so you mean for what specific, what, what activities would they need? So for example, to? numbers of ticket or numbers of customers that gave them a smiley, uh, you know, you can always rate ah. customers. For example, I don't know, you know, incentivize them on the number of tickets that they did a day or so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an interesting topic. I do believe that it can work if you put the, um, the, the, the baseline not too low so that yeah. everyone achieves this one and that, um, that the, those, the support isn't only incentivized by this, but maybe by uh, a team goal, for example. So I would maybe not do it only for a specific person, but maybe as a team goal as well. Um, and setting this bar uh, at this, the correct level, I think this is what it most comes down to. Maybe some of you had this experience. I certainly had it where you open a support ticket. You then ask a question and then they only answer this specific question. And then they say, well, you need to open another ticket. Uh, because you need to talk to another person. I'm not 100% sure if this is because the person wasn't knowledgeable on the topic or maybe they're incentivized by those positive smiles so they get more and more. This could maybe even hurt your experience in the yeah. long run because right, you, you open a ton of tickets and are unhappy because the same person could answer them. Yeah. So I'm not, not fully in it. I think it can work, yes, if you have the correct baseline and you don't over-incentivize uh, over them to have um, like that everyone reaches it. But if that is the case, it can also backfire and you might even have less, uh, less good customer experience. But yeah. Curious to hear yours. So my take on this is, is, is different. I, I'm normally a bit of against it because most of the time it's basically the discussion. Oh my God, the AE is there earning so much money in commission and stuff and we're earning not much money. So, um, I think if you do it, it shouldn't be because of like, they're or they're underpaid in general. It shouldn't be like a principal discussion because then you basically have no leverage. And um, what I would be a fan of is really this team commission approach. And then I always get the like objections saying, "Hey, Alexa, you uh, you're destroying the top performance with a team commission." And I think you're no, you're not because first, what I would do is I would incentivize the top three top performers again with another kicker that's probably you can also do it like it can also be money but it can also be like um a weekend um in some fancy place i don't know or some coupons or something um that's fancy and then they can brag about and the second thing is um what i, I don't think also that the low performance are, are are like then pulling them down because if you are in this team and you have a team goal, you don't want to be the low performer. I think nobody wants to be that guy. If you work in a team, oh, you're, you're the low performer. You're the reason why we didn't reach our commission, your shit. And I think that enables people. And also, third thing, it enables people to help each other and to share knowledge, yeah, rather to then like, oh my God, I'm the best performer because I have all the insights and I'm here since three years and seen so many things. Um, so that's why I think also it would enable the onboarding process, which is a huge issue um, in customer success. Oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. how, how many people have stopped the onboarding because they weren't happy with the first steps or maybe even canceled the first month after? Yeah. I don't even know. So absolutely it's great leverage. Yeah. Cool. Um, so another thing um, that I think to sum up the topic is benefits of customer um, advocacy and referral programs. So what is your take on how do, how would you approach this in general? Mm -hmm. So customer advocacy is very hard, I guess, to, to make it as a program in most of the companies. How does it usually look? So 
usually what you try to get to is in the sales team, the when they're happy, the customers, you ask them for maybe a referral or you give them an incentive to say, if you do a case study with us, for example, we will give you a month free or we'll give you a reduced rate, right? So usually it comes down to those very, uh, to the sales activities. This is how it, most organizations, I think it's going to play out. With customer advocacy, you can also take it maybe a bit of a different approach if you don't only do it at, this, at the bottom of it, but you already have the customers in in the first steps, what I mean with customer insights, so that you have an ear, an open ear for them and say, based on your response, we will make changes on the product, on the on our customer success team and on our marketing, on our messaging, which then will also benefit you in the long run. So you will make them part of your, of your product. So what many also call product, like, um, product like growth, um, where they, they use the product actively and then you get those champions to then be your um, spokesperson sometimes even. Some some even have those customer boards where they get very active customers in and generate insights from them and even have meetings and ongoing meetings with those very high, act, um, very highly active customers. So yeah. this is a bit of a different with customer um, advocacy and with referral programs in B2B. It, is, it depends on the industry, I would say. Some industries don't get any referrals because uh, the other companies you would be referring the tool to might be competitors. So I've heard those as well. And in B2B, in the higher tiers, the price is often not an issue. Right? Price is just one one uh, function. It's not um, it's not that big of an issue if the value behind it yeah. is a lot higher. So I think that's why in referral programs, the incentive is oftentimes not the correct one. The, the normal incentive that you would be doing is, okay, you get a month free or you get um, some money back or you get, I don't know, this and that much. If you do this on a company level, I think this doesn't work that well. On an individual level, if you have one person from that company refer you and they get, uh, let's say, a 100-year Amazon voucher, I think this might benefit, this will benefit them more, so they might be more incentivized. But still... Um, this, this kind of incentives, I think there are a lot better incentives compared to only the monetary ones. Yeah. So one example could be inviting them to a special event. That could be, or you say you will, for that you need the customer insights, but um, for our case, for example, we developers, it's very interesting to them to be very present in the developer community. So one thing we could be doing, for example, is say, hey, you get a spot at our conference, being present with your logo, being on stage, Etc. So you can offer them something. This this is not a monetary incentive. It would uh, it would even be able to buy that. It's just a package that you might create for it. So in this direction, you should think if you think about referral programs. Absolutely. And could you maybe clear up a question once and for all that's out there? Which is who leads partnerships? Is it marketing or sales? Oh, I think that's a can of worm that we're we're all spinning <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> So who needs partnerships where they have partner partner management, right? So in an early stage <laughs> environment, Christoph, you don't have it. You don't have it there. True, true. Okay, yeah, that, that's a different one. So I think the one that talks most with the companies is gonna lead it. So usually I guess that's gonna be the sales team. Um depending on, on how it's set up, but I would probably say sales, yeah. Yeah, I, I would also say sales. Um because yeah. I I'm I'm a big fan of partner partner sales especially in like a lot of industries because it's I think a great way to win to get quick wins mm -hmm. um but it's a question that's out there like I think 
since since years and so yeah. many different answers. Great. Yeah, Christoph, thank you. Thank you so much for, for the podcast. Um, I think it was really, really interesting. Um, maybe lastly, um, could you maybe tell the people where they could reach you, reach you if they have any questions and, um, yeah, just where, where they, where you're best to reach. For sure. So you guessed it right on this platform where you're probably currently watching on LinkedIn. So just reach out to me. You find me, Christoph Schachner. Send me a message, ask me questions, tell me what I was wrong about the po in the podcast. Just reach out to me. Any feedback, any questions, always welcome. Otherwise, I'm also active on Growth Mentor. So this is a mentoring platform where you can get your questions answered on growth-related topics that can be related to hiring. Usually, though, where my expertise mostly is, is marketing. So you can ask questions there. There are a ton of different mentors. And this is also a good place where you can meet me and have some uh, a coaching session with me as well if that's interesting to you yeah ton of different mentors but christoph is one of the best so <laughs> thanks <Alex. laughs> so um yeah I, i will link it up down in the show notes and uh, yeah thank you so much christoph awesome thanks for me bye bye bye, -bye.